everybody, good morning and welcome to uh, Christ Community Chapel. Welcome those of you over in East Hall and those of you tuning in. Uh, glad you're here. Wow, what a month uh, we have had here at CCC. Uh, four weeks ago, we had our spontaneous baptism, uh, which is uh, the time where we tried to remove every barrier. And then we just said, if, if you have never been baptized as a believer in Jesus, today's your day. And 451 people were baptized across all seven services. And I, I keep trying to uh, kind of wrap my head around it and, and find words to describe uh, what it was like uh, to be here for all those services. And it was, uh, it was glorious. And it, there are things that happened that I, I never want to forget. Both my, my daughter and my grand, or my, my daughter and my daughter-in-law both got baptized. I was just out in the atrium and talked with some other people that were talking about their baptism. Uh, I don't want to ever forget the last service, uh, the third service. I was sitting here in the front row, and when the last person was baptized, uh, we still had one, we still had the chorus for the last song to sing, and everyone was standing, and we were singing for all we were worth, and I hardly ever get to sing. I don't know when I sing with all my might, because... Uh, I lose my voice, and usually we sing before I speak. But then I didn't have to worry about it. It was like we were all singing with all of our might. And then uh, after we finished the course, we just exploded in this ovation of applause. Uh, it was awesome. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. That was four weeks ago. Three weeks ago, we had our Micah 6-8 weekend. Uh, Micah 6-8 is where we introduced a ministry or a couple of ministries to you guys, and then all the giving for that weekend goes to those ministries. We were focusing on children, children here and children in Uganda and children in Haiti, and you guys gave $220,000 that weekend that we get to give. Yeah, you can go ahead and clap. Thanks. If <laughs> uh, we get to give that away, you have no idea how encouraging that is to those ministries and what it means to those kids and their lives. And then uh, this weekend, all right, once a month, uh, we add leaves to the mosaic, this um, uh, stained glass window, kind of a, of a tree of life. And each leaf represents uh, someone who has come to faith in Jesus and received Him as their Savior and Lord in the last month through one of the ministries here at CCC. And uh, this, today, we add uh, an even 100 leaves to that tree. Yeah, it's awesome. So let you know, I, I, I love uh, what God is doing here. I love you guys. Uh, I hope you love this place. And let God continue to work in you and use you and change you. All right? All right, we are uh, in a series right now that will take us all the way to Easter. Oh, and Easter. Oh, man. I love Easter. One, the whole family, kind of whole church family, comes and it is packed and it's a blast. And uh, I love what we do. And so uh, we have different things at this campus happening all week. Take advantage of it. And then uh, Easter weekend, we have a couple of services on Saturday. And then we, we're opening up the block, which is a student ministries building for a couple of services on Sunday. But uh, it will be a blast to be together at Easter. And then the week after Easter, we have Sam Albury who's a, a speaker for Robbie Zacharias Ministries, do not miss Sam. He is a, a wonderful uh, speaker. Uh, you will not want to miss 
him. Okay, that's my, that's my last commercial. Okay, now, we're in this series, The Cross Changes Everything. And let me start by telling you the two things the cross tells us about ourselves. One really good, one really bad. The really bad thing the cross tells us is this, that something is seriously wrong with us. Something is so broken inside of you and inside of me, it, it takes nothing less than the death of God's own Son to heal us, to save us. Put that in the physical realm. If you catch a, a common cold, you can just wait that out. If you get pneumonia, you should probably take some meds. If your kidneys fail, you need someone to give you one of their kidneys. But if you need a heart transplant, what's that mean? That means someone must die so you can live. That's what the cross means. Jesus had to die so that I could live his life for my life, his life for your life. So the first thing the cross tells us is that there's something so broken, so seriously wrong with us, took nothing less than the death of God's own son to save us. But the cross also tells us something absolutely wonderful about ourselves, and that's that we have such value, that we are, have such worth to God, that God would be willing to give nothing less than His own Son for us. Put that in the, the realm of pets. What would you be willing to do for a goldfish that your child won at a fair? Probably, probably not much. A burial at sea when you flush it down the toilet. What would you do for a gerbil? What would you do for a cat if you are a cat person? What would you do for a dog? What would you do for your own child? There are a lot of us that would say, I would do anything for my child. The worth that God put on you, for God so loved the world, so loved you, that he gave his only begotten son so that you might live. The cross always tells us those two great things, and we, we put those together when we talk about the gospel here at Christ Community Chapel. We say, even though you are so deeply flawed, so deeply broken, that you don't want to admit it to anyone, even yourself, because of what God has done for you through Jesus, you're more deeply loved, more deeply cherished than you have ever dared to dream. So great is the gospel. And that's why the cross changes everything. The cross changes everything. And today we're going to talk about the way to be free. The way to be free. All right? So the three points are what the cross sets us free from, what the cross sets us free for, and what it means to live free now. What the cross sets us free from, what the cross sets us free for, and what it means to live free now. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read uh, the first 17 verses of Romans chapter 8. This is what it says. <clears throat> there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. 
By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is God's word. All right, be honest. How many of you numbed out while I was reading that? (laughs) It's okay. I numbed out a little bit too, and I was reading it out loud. All right? The reason it was a, it was a long uh, passage, but it's also uh, kind of difficult to understand. When, when he says, uh, verses 5 through 7, for, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can't. What does that even mean? I, I hate it when, uh, when somebody says something to me and I think I know what it means, but then it's not what they meant. Uh, last night, after the Saturday night service, uh, my wife was waiting for me back in my office. And I walked in my office and she said, are you hot? And I said... I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> right. I really did. And she said, I'm talking about your microphone. Right? And I was going, really? Rats? All right. <laughs> I always think that this is a tough time for foreign exchange students who are here for the first time, too. Uh, because here in Northeast Ohio, now we've gone through a long winter, right? And we're all just longing for the spring. And here it is in mid-March, and it's still cold, and there's snow on the ground. And then we start talking about March Madness. And if you're a foreign exchange student, I think you would think, I know what they're talking about, because I'm mad too. (laughs) Who's not mad at March, right? And they don't realize what we're talking about. That's kind of the way it is. It can be with Paul sometimes. When Paul says, set your minds on things of the Spirit, not on things of the flesh, what's that mean? You get up on Monday morning, you head to work. Do whatever you do. You're a doctor, you're a plumber, you're an office worker, you're a salesperson, you're a student. You're heading wherever you're heading, and you start thinking about your day and stuff. When you're 
thinking about that. Are you, are you setting your mind on things of the Spirit or things of the flesh? Am I the, am I the only one that's going to be obeying this verse on Monday because I work at the church? And so I have to set my mind on things of the Spirit? So what, what's he mean? What's it mean to set your mind? This is what it says, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. What is the law of sin and death? What is so broken inside of me that it took nothing less than the cross, than the death of Jesus to heal me. And when he says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, for the mind that is set on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile toward God. So does that mean you wake up on Monday, you have a, a little bit of a headache, you go to the medicine cabinet, take some ibuprofen, you eat breakfast, you uh, put on makeup or comb your hair, you head to work or head to school and you're thinking about your day and you're thinking about your kids, you're thinking about your family, you're thinking about your marriage. Are you hostile toward God just because you're not thinking about Him? It's got to be deeper than that. My all-time favorite movie came out in 1980, <clears throat> which means a lot of you haven't seen it. And uh, it actually won Best Picture of the Year. Uh, that year. It's uh, a movie called Chariots of Fire. And it's the true story of two runners uh, who both ran for Great Britain, and they ran in the 1924 Olympic Games. One was a man named Harold Abrahams, and the other was a man named Eric Little. Eric Little was a follower of Jesus. And the whole movie is about contrasting these two men. And at different places in the movie, both men say why they run, what the purpose of their running serves. And Harold Abrams tells his friend Aubrey, Aubrey, when I'm looking down that corridor, and he's talking about the lane because he's a sprinter, and he's looking down that lane, he says, I realize I have 10 seconds to justify my existence. I have 10 seconds to justify my existence. Eric Little explains to his sister why he runs. And he says, Jenny, I know God made me for a purpose, to be a missionary to China, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I run, I feel his pleasure. Which man is a slave and which man is free? Harold Abraham says, I run to justify myself. And if I do not win, I am condemned because I am not justified. Eric Little says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Not when I win, I feel God's pleasure. He says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Why? Because he's already justified. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here's a question. What do we use to justify ourselves? What do you use to make yourself feel like you are worthy? Right? Being a, a good husband, being a good worker, being a success, being a good student, being smart, having 
your kids do well, just being a good, uh, good at anything, how you look. Right? There are all kinds of things that we use to try to justify ourselves. Here, ladies, let me pick on you just for a second. When you get up in the morning and you begin to put on makeup, do you feel God's pleasure? Or are you putting on makeup because you're afraid and you're afraid of how people will look at you and you're thinking about how they're going to, because that's how you justify yourself. The cross sets us free from trying to use other things to justify our worth, to get our value from. And whenever, when it says you are putting your mind on things of the flesh or walking according to the flesh, that means when you are counting on something, anything other than the cross to justify yourself. The first thing the cross sets us free is to set us free from trying to justify ourselves any other way. But the, the cross also sets us free for, and this is what I mean. Uh, last weekend, I was up in northern Michigan speaking at a men's conference, and one of the other speakers was a guy named Abdu Murray. Abdu Murray is a speaker for uh, Ravi Zacharias Ministries. He's brilliant. He's actually going to be here in August of this year. He's got a great story. He uh, was born and raised in a Muslim home. He was a Muslim, and then he took this nine year. It took him nine years to be convinced about Jesus, and then he became a follower of Jesus. Uh, he also played basketball in college for the University of Michigan with the Fab Four. Yeah, he was a former attorney, and now he's the speaker for RZIM. But uh, when he spoke, uh, he said that one of the problems with our culture is that we have confused autonomy with freedom. Autonomy with freedom. Autonomy sounds like freedom, but it's different. Uh, autonomy comes from, uh, is an English word that has taken two Latin words and smooshed them together. Auto, which means self, and nomi, which means law. So autonomy literally means to be a law unto myself. That I get to determine who I am, what I am, what my identity is. I get to determine my limits, what I do with my life. And that's different than freedom. And this is why Jesus makes a very a bold and profound statement about freedom in John chapter 8. He says this, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In another passage, Jesus says, He who the Son sets free is free indeed. What is freedom? My favorite professor in college was great at asking questions. I still remember uh, what he said about freedom and the questions he asked. He was talking about freedom, and he said, hey, let me ask you this. When is a train free to be a train? And as students, we were going, ah, oh, when it's on train tracks? And he said, yeah. A train that defies its limits and jumps off the train track, ceases to be free to be a train. And then he said this, who decides? Who decides when a train's free? And the answer is the one who designed the train, the creator of the train. Then he, my professor said, when is a boat free to be a boat? When does a boat flourish as a boat? We said, in the water. 
He said, who decides? We said that the one who, who made the boat, the one who created the boat. Then he said this, one is a human being, free to be a human being. Who decides when a human being is free to be a human being? And the answer is the one who created that human being. It's not a, freedom is not autonomy. It's not something without limit. It's not something that you decide on your own. The secret to human flourishing, the secret to being really free is connected with the, with the one who designed you, who created you. You know, when I was describing uh, why we put leaves on that mosaic out in the atrium, I said it, it's so when somebody receives Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you've probably heard those two terms together, Lord and Savior. And I've heard too, and you might have heard this as well, that you know, if Jesus isn't your Lord, then He is not your Savior. Those two things go together. And I used to think I understood what that meant. And this is what I, the way I understood it. I thought, I thought you know, if, if somebody prays to receive Jesus, but they're still living with their girlfriend, or they're still um, getting drunk on the weekend, or they're still gossiping as much as they ever did, then they probably, then, then Jesus isn't their Lord, so Jesus probably isn't their Savior. But I think it's deeper than that. I don't, I don't think Jesus can actually be your Savior without being your Lord. I, I, I think they have to go together, and this is why. Something is saving you. Something is saving you. We always count on something to justify us, to, to say, this is what will make us okay. Harold Abrams in Chariots of Fire was saying, you know what? Running. Winning the gold medal, that will save me, that will justify me, that will give me worth. And whatever you're counting on to save you, you are a slave to. That is your master. And you can only have one. Right? And this is what uh, kind of clicked for me, because this explained a, a very kind of a strange story in Matthew chapter 19. It's a little bit of a disturbing story, because a young man comes up to Jesus uh, and he is wealthy, and so he's, he's referred to as the rich young ruler. And he comes up to Jesus, and he asks Jesus a question. He says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What? That's a, that's a softball question to Jesus, isn't it? Jesus could say, believe in me. Receive me as your Savior. That's what I would say. If you came up to me today and you said, Pastor Joe, what must I do to receive eternal life? I would say, I know the answer to that. Receive Jesus as your Savior. Let's pray right now. We can do it right now. It'll be great. But you know what Jesus says? Jesus looks at the man and says, um, I'll tell you what you do. Go and sell all that you have. Give it all away. Then come follow me. Why would he do that? Why would he put that that young man in that place, when he doesn't put you in that place, doesn't put me in that place, that doesn't say that anywhere else in Scripture, that that's the way you get saved. Why for that guy? You know what Jesus was doing? Jesus was saying, son, you already have a Savior. You have something you're counting on to justify you, and it's your wealth. So you need to get rid of that Savior, and then come, and I will be your Savior. And I will set you free. Right? We are always counting. This is also why Jesus, in, in uh, Luke chapter 6, Jesus asked this rhetorical question. He says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not... What, what he's saying is, 
You call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say. That means I'm not your Lord, Lord. That means something else is your Lord, Lord. This is where the Bible is so good because anytime Jesus is asking you to do something, if he's been asking you to do something now, and you keep saying, you know what, I, I, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. You need to... Sometimes people will say, um, I know Jesus wants me to forgive this person who hurt me so badly, but I can't do it. I can't do it. And Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? What is it that you are a slave to when you cannot obey me? Somebody says, uh, what does the Bible say about living with your girlfriend? You say, I can't move out. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? What is it that you are a slave to that you cannot let go of? Somebody say, I say, what does Jesus say about giving? You say, I can't, I can't give. I can't afford to give. And Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Do not, listen, this is what I want you to get. The cross doesn't just set us free from condemnation of trying to justify ourselves with other things. It sets us, Jesus is calling us to be free for, a freedom to, to flourish as a human being. And Jesus is the one who decides that because Jesus is the one who designed you and he's calling you. Every time Jesus calls you to obey, he's calling you to flourish. He's calling you like, like, like pulling a boat out into the water and say, now you're finally free. Eric Little ran for the gold medal. The thing that people just train and they, they would die for. And Eric Little ran and the whole time he was running, all he did was feel God's pleasure. Why? Because he was not just free from, he was free for. God designed you to feel his pleasure in everything you do. Okay, last thing. What does it mean to, to live free now? Verses 5 through 7, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. But the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Listen, setting your mind on things of the flesh, it, that doesn't mean that you can't think about want to succeed in what you do. It doesn't mean you can't be good at your job. It doesn't mean that you can't fill out a college application. It doesn't mean you can't plan a vacation. What it means to live free today is that you remind yourself all the time that your worth is not dependent on what you do. Your worth is not dependent on what people think about you. Your worth is not dependent on your appearance or how smart you are or what your political uh, affiliation is. Your worth is dependent on the cross. Because the cross does two things. The cross tells you that there is something that is so deeply broken inside of you that nothing less than the death of God's own Son can heal you, can fix you. But it also tells you that you are of such amazing worth, such value, that the God of the universe was willing to give nothing less than His own Son to save you. You are being justified by something. You're trying to justify yourself with something. Only people who are justified by the cross can be truly free. Free from, free for, free today. Transformed. 2018. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I come to you with uh, these people and all of us so desperately uh, want to live free. 
We want to flourish as human beings. I would love to be able to feel your pleasure uh, even today in whatever I do. And so I pray that you would help us uh, to catch what it means that the cross has set us free, free from trying to justify ourselves through all these other things, but free for, free to live the way you intended a human being to live, free to feel your pleasure. And I pray that you'd make us free even today. Thanks for your grace. Thanks for dying on the cross for us. We pray this in your blessed name. Amen.